Hello, my name is Jared, and I am the host of the all-new podcast Dare to Dream, where I'll be having real conversations with people that inspires me, and hopefully, they will inspire you too. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of the Dare to Dream podcast with me, Jared. Today, I have a extra special guest with me. He currently runs a very well-known Asian brand that we all know very well and probably in our parents' generation too. He is also a humble and private person, so I'm very, very honoured to get a chance to invite him here on my podcast today. Hello, Sai. Hi, everyone. Hi, how's it going, everyone? Good evening or good afternoon or good morning for some of you. Yes, yeah, yeah. Hello, hello. So maybe you want to tell us a bit more about yourself because I didn't quite review to the full extent uh, what who you are and what you're really up to. Okay, I'm, jeez, uh, you know, I hate giving myself introductions because I'm just horrible at them. I don't, don't really know how to describe myself as well. So I would just say I'm a second generation business leader or business person, uh, business handover person <laughs> um, for Julie's Biscuits. And Julie's Biscuits is a... Uh, Asian brand of biscuits that has become quite commonly known across uh, many Asian countries and uh, and mainly in Singapore and Malaysia. Now, Julie's Biscuits is actually produced in Malaysia and it's um, probably known as a Malaysian bread company. Yeah, so I um, uh, I grew up with Julie's. Um, Julie's was founded in 1985. I was born in 1981. So, you know, she's like a sister to me and uh, I grew up with her and um, for the last, wow, coming to nine years now, I have been involved in Julie's in some capacity, one in some capacity or another. Yeah. Now, on top of um, my work with Julie's and the biscuit side and the business side of things, I also produce a social movement called The Best of You that is completely um, sponsored by Julie's. It is in some way Julie's speakeasy bar. It's called it's called Best of You, and it's really about um, using appreciative storytelling to do social good. Yeah. So in short, that's my introduction. I mean, you make it sound so short, but it sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> Maybe I mean I think to get people into the context of where you are right now, let's talk a bit about where you were before. <laughs> Uh, okay, I grew up in, I was born and raised in Singapore, um, and then uh, my father and mother were, my parents, I think my, my mom was mainly working in Singapore, and then my dad uh, commuted back and forth Malaysia and Singapore, where he took care of business in Malaysia, which was Julie's and his other business ventures. And so um, uh, I um, I was in primary school in Singapore. I was in secondary school in Singapore, and then um, my father decided that I should be a Malaysian with along with my brother because back then Malaysia was rising as one of the Asian tigers. Unfortunately, that quickly ended in 1997. Yeah, but by then we had already converted to being Malaysian. So then I was transposed to Malaysia to 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 their schooling system, the international schooling system. And then I had to come back for national service, um, and a lot. So you're people... still technically Singaporean, in that sense, lah. Yeah, so I served. I served then as because in order to renounce my Singapore citizenship legitimately, I have to um, renounce. Yeah, I have to go through NS. So I, I did two and a half years. So mm. 
<clears throat> and then I decided to um, come back to Singapore because I did my NS here and I started doing some, uh, what do they call it, distance education studies. And then I decided to go to Canada to pursue my further studies. And how started, young were you? Uh, this was after Mayana, so this is well, I was twenty-two. Yeah, about oh, twenty-two 21, years 22. old, right? Yeah. And then I went to Canada. I went to Canada for around hmm, thirteen years. Uh, studied for the first one and a half years in my completing my undergraduate. And then I worked and studied and doing my master's while pursuing my master's degree. And then I continued to work uh, for the remaining years there. While I was in Canada for the last four or five years, I was also commuting back and forth Malaysia, helping Julie's Biscuits, while at the same time, you know, fulfilling my professional responsibilities back in Canada. I'm an educational psychologist. So, oh, okay. yeah, so I graduated with a master's in educational psychology and I did some... Uh, yeah, I did. I, I worked in the university primarily, uh, working with students with academic difficulty. Mm. Yeah, and then I also consulted for the university on various um, administrative projects that I worked uh, that had to deal with English language, English as a second language um, uh, students, because that's a very big group of our constituency in the university. Yeah, yeah. So that was my background. How was life back in Canada and what did you love about it? I loved it because I think um, one of the things that I was remembered, I remembered that I was told to go strike it out on my own, which was what I wanted to do. By your dad? By my parents, you know. And uh, I think one of the best ways to do so in an Asian family is actually to leave the nest for a considerable period of time, right? Because they 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 on the one hand say that, but there are a lot of contraptions that pull you back to the family home, right? So, <laughs> so my thinking was that if you really want to do this, then you got to be away, and that mm. was I think a very important learning curve because I, I was taught to be on my own, lot, uh, learn how to live on my own, and learn how to be independent, and um, grew up very Canadianly as well in a sense Canadianly. Uh, grew up very <laughs> Canadianly in the sense that you got to see a lot of social structures that you weren't accustomed to seeing in uh, Singapore and Malaysia. So there's also a lot of um, awareness into how you treat people in a very socially equitable way in Canada. Uh, and um, I think a lot of that came back with me when I came back to Asia. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I, I really love that. I mean, that was something that um, you could sense in the airwaves, you know, you could, you could hear mm -hmm. it on radio. You could see in the way people behave and sometimes in the way people do not behave as well. But, and then you can see in some of their freedoms, individual freedoms and some of their collective care. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of people think of Canada. It's free health care there, right? It's free health care, yeah. And yeah. Uh, there's, you know, they, they think of um, politics in a very different way as well. There, there's... Um, <laughs> There's much more attunement, I say. I'm trying to be careful here. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to be I'm saying the right thing. Um, I think there's a lot of um, thoughtfulness and civic, no, civic consciousness, civic consciousness. So you have to go mm -hmm. through the process of being a civil citizen and knowing where to voice your, uh, put out your voices and make change for it. So there was mm -hmm. a lot of that, yes. Yeah, yeah, and you were growing up, I guess, for the large part of your early 20s, 
in that environment. Early twenties in, into my mid, early thirties as well. Yeah. Early thirties. So yeah. basically, most of your adulthood was uh, Correct, spent there. Yes. So I, I had a second growing up in Canada. La. Yeah. 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 Did you do you miss Canada since coming back here like more permanently? Yes, I do. I do. I I really do. Um. I think one of the things is that, you know, I guess I also worked in a university environment. So it's quite enriched by the, I was quite enriched by the dialogue and the uh, learning atmosphere and the academia that was going on at the university. So a lot of my friends were also pursuing degrees. So I think we we aligned on many of those kinds of social issues that we have to be you know, thoughtful about. And um, in Singapore, I feel that uh, in Asia, it's a little bit more capitalistic yeah mm, pragmatic mm, yeah. Uh, and what i mean by pragmatic is that it's driven by dollars and cents yeah yes, so yes uh it's a the materialistic, economy. yeah the economy kind of pragmatism so you don't factor in things like you know sustainability is a little bit harder to factor in right social sustainability is very hard to factor in as well yeah and uh things like minimum wage equality you know uh, the idea of taking care of uh, other people in your midst um, in a way that is sustainable for them, uh, it's harder to talk about. There isn't so much of a vocabulary or language around that here. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I want to skirt back even more. I'm just really curious about your psychology background. Only because I also, my, I myself had seen a psychologist last year uh, for my own uh, issues. Lah. So I was facing some anxiety as well as uh, depression. Mm. That was what I was going through last year. And so you always, you mentioned you always wanted to be a psychologist. Mm. So does that mean much younger when you're in already in Malaysia and Singapore, that something happened for you to sort of like, you know what? this is what I'm going to be. Because other people will be like, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a policeman. And you'll be like, as a little kid, I want to be a psychologist. Was there a turning point? Was there a starting point for you? And what is that like? I think the starting point was that um, uh, I always remembered that I enjoyed deep conversations with my friends and sometimes Mm. even my teachers, right? And I would ask them questions. And I think partly because I was also kind of ostracized as a kid. So mm. I, I probably had quite a rich interior, and I still do. I probably had quite yeah. a rich interior <laughs> life, right? Um, being, mm-hmm. being able to map out uh, my feelings and being able to, being able to talk yeah. about my, my feelings as well. Um, but I guess I think one of the things was that was very pivotal was that uh, when I was in Malaysia, I was in boarding school and uh, it was a very different experience coming from Singapore. Boarding school in Malaysia. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And this is boarding school where you live there for three weeks to four weeks at a go without going home or without going out. Mm. Yeah. So it's really a little bit like a military camera. Uh, yeah. Except, you know, there isn't, you're not all equal. Uh, you know, there's a lot of hierarchies in yeah. boarding school. Uh, it's very intense. Yeah. It can be a little bit, a lot of the flies, you know. <laughs> a, little bit, a little bit cannibalistic socially cannibalistic as well so you were cannibalized then. Yeah, yeah a little bit um yeah. definitely definitely a lot of bullying a lot of uh different hierarchies that you have to get used to but then yeah. you come to uh learn how to well at least i've come to learn how to um talk myself through a lot of those difficult situations and then sometimes mm. talk with people and reason and i, I think a lot of my personhood came up from the boarding school experience because it really threw me into mm. some some sense of adversity it wasn't a, it wasn't a yep. desirable situation at all yeah 
Yeah, yeah. I can imagine that because I, I think for a lot of people, their trauma or I think uh, also going through something that is uh, as intense as yours uh, and putting us at the fringe of uh, the mainstream mm. uh, does actually make us more self-aware in that sense because we start to see things. Okay, this is my perspective, mm-hmm. right? So you're, you're standing outside and you're looking in. You can see a bigger picture than being right in the middle mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. a thick of, no, uh, of popularity per se. Mm-hmm. No, when you're outside, you yeah. get to see the inequity you get to see the things that are not right yeah a big part of that a big part of my uh coming to understand who i am and uh, being Mm. comfortable talking to my uh, talking with myself and talking my feelings out came from that but i also think that you know um i come from a pretty privileged background and now reflecting Mm. on my background you know there are a lot of cultural dividends that you glean Mm. from being Mm-hmm. in uh with people who have resources so in boarding yep. school i was introduced also to um a lot of deeper thinkers so and, and I, I got to access the books uh the thinking and the attention of certain instructors that um would provide us a lot of uh cultural div- dividends uh. so i remember mm. one of the books that i first <laughs> Uh, it's actually right here by Albert Camus. Mm. My first exposition into philosophical thinking and stuff like that, la, and that got me into thinking more about, you know, uh, humanity. Got me into thinking more about um, why we're here and mm. what, existential. What kind, yes, it was very much existential. He was one of the French <laughs> existentialists. Yes, you came back to Malaysia, uh, Malaysia Singapore. Singapore yeah. Okay, you came back to Malaysia and Singapore. Uh, do you think that you were leaving psychology when you did that? Good question. No, I didn't think so. I didn't think, and it's not something to leave. Right? It's, it's something that I always have. And I, I guess it's made up of uh, multiple disciplines for me as well. So I never just looked into, you can't really just look into psycho- psychology. Like, you know, you have to look into history. I believe in the history of practices. I believe in the sociology of practices as well. So you have to look at how everything comes together, Yeah, how it affects you. One of the things that we, I'm, I'm always um, struck by is that with psychologists, they often tell you to take a test and they will tell you how you are. Right. Mm, yes. There's always a lot of testing like psychology, you know, they, they know, yeah. they know how you are. You take the test and mm, they will, so that is the authority that they I impose. always feel like when I'm talking to the psychologist, there's a checklist that I'm not seeing. Yeah. So that's the authority <laughs> that they impose on people. But if you compare it to an anthropologist, what they do is that they will set up camp and say, hey, can I come and stay with you for a while? And then I will figure you out from there. I'm not going to make you do a test, but I just want to see what you do. Hmm. So you were summoned back to <laughs> Singapore and Malaysia. Mm-hmm, yes. Did you did you feel like you're ending a journey? I mean, like not just psychology, but also your life in Canada. Mm-hmm. I just want to explore how you were then in your early thirties when you were moving back. Uh, we talk, we you spoke about it. It was an eventuality, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but did you feel reluctant? Um, I'm maybe I'm just digging squares here, but yeah, like what was that? What were you going through uh, coming I, back? I, I wouldn't say I felt reluctant, but I felt that, you know, I think there would be adjustments and I, I needed to adjust. And uh, I, I'm not the kind of person who also think that I'm the only one who needs to adjust. <laughs> I'm also the type of person 
who thinks that this is this is a negotiation. Other things have to adjust as well. Uh, and sometimes I have to make that happen. But then um, I, I never think in terms of ending things. Uh, that's the thing. Uh, I think that's something that's very characteristic about me. I don't think of finishing things. But once I've once a particular project has ended, for example, I normally move on to the next. I don't really celebrate this. I don't really review too much about it. It was just the next part of yeah, the journey, correct, a next chapter. Correct. That's it. Right. Yeah. Okay. So in your early 30s, you came back here and you were tasked Actually, not early with 30s. What? I was in my, closer to late 30s already. I'm already... Uh, oh, late 30s yeah, already. Past 35 already. So. But you look very young, so I can't tell. So, okay. <laughs> okay. So in your 30s, yeah. right? In your 30s, you came back here. What were you tasked with, right? Now, it's a whole different environment. Like you said, you came back to Asia where you know, we are more uh, essentially a more capitalist uh, kind of environment and you are trying to make your mark here. What were you tasked to do? What did you do? I think the first thing I did was the Best of You movement. Um, and it really started out from a rebranding conversation. And because we, or a branding conversation, it didn't need to be a rebranding one, but then I think that was always in the uh, in the air because people felt that it's time to change our looks as well. Uh, but as we did like a brand audit and figured out what we wanted to do, uh, the best of you came out first. So it became a social movement about just maybe clumsily and thoughtless, thoughtfully, thoughtlessly became kind of a social movement. And then when that happened, I think it snowballed because we solicited people's stories and what the people's stories was, was a resource of very interesting drivers for what we could do uh, to send out a social message. We're pretty much repeating what they said. La. A lot of times um, the stories taught us which direction to go. Yeah. Mm. So as, as a brand. Uh, as a brand and also as a social movement. And then sometimes, you mm. know, the social movement, the, you, you do things externally to, to, to change things internally. Yeah. yeah. Was there any struggle with your family with you injecting um like you know this 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 movement in because i don't know uh my 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 assumption and i might be wrong is that there is you know the traditionalist of how to run a business and you obviously came in with really new and you know innovative ideas on how to shape things along uh how was that was that a peaceful transition i think at the base of it i i'm very respectful of um, what my parents have done and the, those who came before me. So I, I always align with your energies, even though, and then make sure that even the radical ideas that I bring in, right, I, I bring into them in a way that it doesn't break things. I, I don't believe in breaking traditions to move forward. Yeah, you can, yeah, you can don't have to break them right you can you can find ways to transition <laughs> you were basically not a bull in a china shop lah, so you didn't yeah, just go in most, and crash everything days, yes. <laughs> okay tell us about some of the i mean i mean yes the best of you right yeah. the best of you uh is something that you did that actually a movement that you became bigger than you thought you was going to be mm. and 
I, I remember watching one of the one of the filmlets that I think that you have, which was about the your job, my uh, no, my job, your country, mm, your people, mm, or something. Mm, mm. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. And I thought that was quite an interesting thing, and I actually couldn't see the hundred percent relation to the, the 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 brand of your your business. And could you tell us how that actually sort of connect to where the business is today? Oh, so we left the best of you as a space that we didn't need to connect. With the mm. yeah so it's, it's kind of a i wouldn't say play space but it's kind of a social space where we pour out our well mainly my my concerns for society like one of the things mm. that i'm concerned with is um so the best of you we, we are concerned with many social issues as a as an mm. as a am i so one of the mm. one of them that i'm passionate about is foreign workers Mm-hmm. Um, and partly because I've had a very different treatment. I was treated like a, no, I, as a foreign worker in Canada, I, I had a very different treatment from um, the foreign workers that I see in Singapore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So even someone like, you know, a cleaner in Canada, you are, can be given much more respect than I would say that you are given here in Singapore. Right. The, mm-hmm. the, I think, the dignity difference is huge yeah. in Singapore here and uh, in Canada, that's not the case. So with foreign mm. workers, um, and I know that in Malaysia and Singapore, we're highly dependent on foreign workers. I felt that their histories yeah. mm, were not told that and their, their humanity yeah. wasn't represented. And I, mm. the least we could do is talk about it and bring mm. it to the surface, bring it to the narrative, bring it, introduce it to the narrative in a way that is also very honest and authentic. Uh, yeah. One of my beliefs is that for many, many foreign workers who come into places like Singapore and Malaysia to work, their purpose is to uplift their lives. And mm. our responsibility is to meet them halfway and give them conditions where they can also uplift their lives. And that I firmly yep. believe in. So I, mm. I get sad when that promise, and they came here on a promise, right? Sometimes yep. paying a lot of money, right? To try to fulfill yeah. that promise. And that promise isn't met. And because we didn't play our part, or we made mm. it even more difficult for them, I think that's very unfortunate. Mm. And to me, I need to do something about that. Mm. So mm. one of the things we do is t- telling these stories. And in particular, I am passionate about telling these stories to the younger generation. So our younger mm. generation who grow up to be future leaders can be more compassionate and they don't repeat the cycle. That is what education is about. So that basically is your passion project. Yeah, right? yeah. That's what, like, well, all what of you it is a passion was very project. Like, yes, yeah. <laughs> Everything you do is out of passion. It's not because of like um, something you have to do. <laughs> some, some How things, do you uh, think you your... do, but then Most things better be about passion. Like, yeah. <laughs> yep. So how did that create the new Julie? Uh, I think we, okay, we rebranded because we had to, but I think the way it came out was mainly... Mm-hmm. I mean, you can see the splash of colors, the confident personality, the looking upwards and the the brightness and the new brand. I think it's to reflect hope, inspiration, creativity, joy. And uh, at the same time, I think um, one of the, we are, so we have four personality traits linked to this new brand. It's humility, 
openness, fearlessness, and irreverence. Now, irreverence doesn't mean you disrespect everything and you go mm-hmm. all radical and rebellious, uh, go on a rebellious streak. It's not like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think humility is one of the... Um, humility is the one in front because I believe it's very important to be humble. And what I mean by humble is that you you think a lot about other people as much as you think about yourself, I know we are very living in a very egotistical world, but a lot of thinking about yourself mm. is thinking about other people. So you need to think about other people first. Lah. Even as a brand, right? Yeah. You have to think about your consumers first, what they're saying, where they're going, right? That's what often sustains your brand. Yeah. So, uh, and I, I think there's a lot of privileges and humility that allows mm. you to work without so much of your ego yeah and i i believe when your ego keeps coming in right it just it's it's a it's a freaking annoyance you know it's like yeah, yeah something yeah. that just, gets in the way and it eats a lot <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah it's very hungry it's trying to put up a front an image yeah and it takes up a lot of energy and it comes at you it's very very irritating so humility is a a, a value that i hold very dear la. but then i think openness was something that um being a Malaysian brand and being a Malaccan brand, uh, openness wasn't something that came comes easily. Um, and I would have to say there's something that happened in Malaysia's history like, that made it that way. I don't know if you're Malaysia, but Malaysian. You're not Malaysian, right? Uh, my dad's Indonesian. Yeah, that's Indonesian. <laughs> so well, I'm a bit away from this Singapore-Malaysian thing. <laughs> yeah, but there is, yep, yep. There is um, mm. you know... You are either someone you are or someone you are not. So I felt yes. that Malaysia, the Malaysia identity politics always had Singapore to rub against it. So yeah, I realize. <clears throat> so you can't have a conversation about one without the other. Yeah, and I think now Singapore is in a much more developed place, and it, it has more of its own identity. Uh, mm. And the promises though of Malaysia being the more the bigger country the more resourceful country right but alas it hasn't done as well as singapore as it probably set out to be right that mm-hmm. that has closed malaysia up a bit lah. this is my point of view mm. yeah yeah and uh yeah in malacca i feel as well there is and there's also racial politics in this as well so in malacca yeah. i feel that um in the community that we work with and work in there's a lot of there's the Malay communities, there's the Chinese community, so things are not very open. So in Singapore, mm. you kind of have the government to break that up for you. Your, your HDB you must have must have a mix, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah that yeah. can be very ghettoized. So um, openness was a very important thing for us, and also openness because Julie's is a very open company because it exports to many different countries. Right. So mm-hmm. we need, to be, need to be inclusive. We need to talk to different cultures. We need to have a cosmopolitan spirit. Yeah, and mm. openness because you know I think it just helps us to be nicer people and kinder people. La. we don't put so much walls up. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, and then fearlessness as well. I think it has to do with you know being being fearless and being playful with your ideas. Yeah. 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 Because I think mm. that, that that's always a good formula. Yeah. Okay, so for my memory, I think I've shared with you this before. Uh, I saw I first got exposed to Julie's uh new brand yeah. look feel. 
um, in the cinemas, right? I was seeing this uh, focus group moment uh, filmed out in a very comedic manner. And I didn't know you're the person behind it until that other time that I was speaking to you about it. T- tell me more about that right? because that captured my attention. I never knew that a rebrand or a new branding can become a cinematic moment. You know what I mean? <laughs> Most brands don't do that. They just quietly and covertly just change their brand. We, we, wanted to do it. Speaking- we wanted to do it because it was fun and we wanted to fossilize and make, you know, archive archive this story as like a pivotal moment, you know, like it's a, it's an important milestone yeah. to capture. And it did took the world by storm because uh, I think Thailand started it with a lot of brands going into full length featured like 10, 10, uh, 5, 10, 15 minutes filmlets. And, and then it go into a whole story before you land on why this is even related to the brand. Mm. And and I think it, then it went on to insurance companies. I think they do that a lot as well uh, uh, to, to inspire people to, 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 to think about their family, to think about protection. And in Julie's case is to connect back into, it's not directly eating the biscuit, no. isn't it? Right. <laughs> oh, it's also spoof. It's so it's also, it's also a lesson in not taking the brand out. Brands not taking themselves too, too seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So you notice yeah. that we are also kind of spoofing our own product feature in a playful mm. way so that we can actually yeah. place our products uh place our products the way we any, any way we want to la. because it's mm. like a ad within an ad all the time la, yeah la. and it's also mm. quite silly that way la. yeah mm. yeah so how did your family actually respond to all this like they enjoy and they see where it's going and uh mm. as, the response has been very good i think the awards mm-hmm. help as well so nope I mean, your brand is brought along together with the film yeah. that while it might not be 100% about Julie's Biscuits, but uh, I guess what it does is to show what you stand for, like what the brand stands for. Yeah, 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 correct. Yes. Yeah. And that was your intention from day one? That was my intention, yeah, to, to mm. do a good job in storytelling and just have fun. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, it really sounds like you are doing that. And could you tell us what's next for you? Like exciting things has been done in the past years. Uh, I'm not sure whether a COVID pandemic actually put a dent into some Ooh, of the work that you do. Absolutely. Big time. I mean, I think business-wise, it's affected uh, not just my business, but um, many businesses. Yeah. So mm. right now, I think, um, I Meanwhile, I, I talk about all these fun things that we do in terms of in marketing. There are a lot of, of course, other um, business-related things that are not so fun. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, but um, but that hasn't dampened our spirits. I think in terms of representing voices, I think uh, and telling stories, we are still very keen to do that. I think yeah, uh, it's good that we we already have a, a track record of doing that. So we want to continue doing it and be mm. more fun doing it, like telling meaningful stories, la. So more films, uh, award-winning films, uh, more films, <laughs> or maybe different types of um formats of doing things yeah oh uh, can you share or maybe it's still an industry no, secret it's a little bit of a mystery. i can't tell you right now yeah okay okay yeah. so we shall look forward to what's coming up i already told quite a bit films. already yeah so i already told you a little bit of okay. the formula already <laughs> <laughs> so maybe this will inspire some uh, entrepreneurs and also other business to also start looking at the human side of things right yeah. start looking at where they stand as a business because I, I think you would you would agree that businesses are made out of people yeah. and you're serving the people. 
yeah, well, the money gets in the way, which is the capitalist part that you were talking about. Injecting the people factor into businesses is what really makes it work. Yeah. At least in the case of Julie's Biscuits, and because y'all y'all are just doing it right. So, if you were to share like one really or two, one or two, whatever that you feel uh, uh, accustomed to, like, is there an important life lesson that you've learned out of this whole life that you lived, right? Like, it's a, I mean, I'm not saying you have a very long life, right? I mean, you've been living a quite an eventful life, right? You traveled halfway across the globe, you studied, you went through experience of bullying, you came back awoken, and you stand for empowerment and for those people who have social inequities. What is one thing that you took away from all that experience? I think I took away a lot of things. Um, yep. One of them is definitely that, uh, you know, people's stories are, you really get to know people by listening to their stories. Mm. And I say that with not the best conscience because sometimes it's just you don't have enough space and time to actually sit and listen to people's stories. But when you do, mm. you know, you have to honor them and give them the space and give them the opportunity for them to really share what they are. And sometimes it's not like they can share easily as well. You have to uh, have a conversation with them. Yeah, you have to have a very deep mm. conversation that requires time. Uh, mm. So the best of you is a movement about appreciation and appreciation is also about appreciating yourself that when you appreciate something, you really have to take time. The, the other thing I've learned from all of this, especially the rebranding, is that we don't need mm. to take ourselves so seriously all the time. Mm. Yes, uh, that that's actually... Yeah. You know, and it's not to say that you are a doofus and you, you become goofy all the time, but you, yeah. know, you can have fun and uh, when you be more lighthearted with things, you are able yeah. to see things more openly and enjoy them as well. Yeah, And you start, uh, you step out of that narrow vision thing because you start yeah. just relaxing yourself. Relaxing right? yourself and, you know, you are able to, I, I feel that comedians, for example, are always able to mm. tell truths about society much easier than actually anyone else. Yeah. Partly <laughs> yeah. because the comedy is on your side, right? And I think when yep. you are, you are you're more willing to listen to something about yourself when you're in the mood to receive comedy and when it's mm. told to you in a very com- comedic and comical manner. Yeah. Mm. So um, this is something I, I, I try to encourage. Like, I'm not naturally great mm. at it. Some days I need to get in the right mood, but I am, I'm trying to instill that in Julie's for sure. Is there a mantra that you live by? So um, one of the things that I think people would say about me is that I'm pretty real. I'm pretty mm. no bullshit and I cut to the chase. And uh, yeah, that, that, that's that's definitely something that I've, I've, I feel I've always been, but then I've come to like fortify it over the years. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Is there a misconception about you? Oh yeah. That you few people sometimes think about you, which is not true at all. You want to clarify here on this stage. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so first of all, I don't feel like I need to clarify, but you know they can continue to have yep. a misconception. Yep. <laughs> so this is this is one of the things. Um I, I think You don't care. Yeah, people <laughs> mm. people think I'm a, I can be if I'm too honest or very straight with people, I'm being rude or something like that. Uh and people think I'm aloof because I don't necessarily go for celebrations 
I, I don't like honorary titles. I don't like to go and pick up awards. I don't really like being on shows talking about myself as well. So thank you for being here, regardless. Uh, uh, yeah, so I'm not. I'm like I said. Like I always like to move to the next thing, lah. Um, but that also has been something that um I was told not to do by when I worked for the what re- worked on the rebranding, is that it's important to have celebratory moments, and I I I, I learned that during the rebranding. Uh, oh wow. Journey. Why? Why is it important to have celebratory moments? Not for not because if it's not important to me for for the team, it is important. It is important to tie things together, because you I might have tied things together, but they may have may not have, and these are essential uh, touch points to do so. Yeah, and uh, it's also it's also. An event to celebrate fun la, to 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 instill fun la. And if I'm if I'm true to being uh, a fun brand, I need to have those kinds of moments. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're forced to learn that lesson. I'm forced to learn that, that lesson sense. because, uh, to be honest, in my family, we never did anything that fun. Like, uh, do you celebrate your birthdays? No. That's the one thing. <laughs> no wonder. Don't celebrate birthdays. Don't go for graduations. Just you know, I skipped all my graduations. Like, what are we going? Like, what? Yeah, my parents didn't see the need to do any of that. Like, nothing. Like, no, but the birthdays. Like, what is it? Like, you know, like. So you're used to not being celebrated. Yeah, used to it, and then you got got into the habit of it, lah. Yeah, and then then okay. you know you you found lots of reasons to. And then now, if I think about it, if I had to go for my graduation, I would be like, "Oh my god, it was such so tiring. I have to wait for two hundred or three or sometimes two thousand people right, before you can go up there." Right. So. And your parents were never there, right? No, you were just, no. and you didn't want to be there either. They didn't want to be there. Like you know, they never saw me off to NS. They never saw me out of NS, that kind of thing. Like <laughs> it was a very non-emotional attachment. Yeah, kind it's of like, situation. what? <laughs> if they show up, I'll be like, "What are you doing here?" So, <laughs> so just. Interested to ask: Are you a not as emotional person? No, I, are you I a am, not I, overly emotional? I, I am an emotional person. I'm a very emotional person. But I guess that practice you express emotions. I express a lot of emotions. Uh, and, okay, uh, <laughs> uh, and I'm empathetic as well. I would say I'm a empath <laughs> as well. But um, mm. I think we've gotten it's become a habit that. Yeah, like I said, like if they showed up for my graduation, I'll be like, "What are you guys doing here? What are you uh, doing here?" <laughs> Okay, this is a tip for everyone out there who knows uh, Sai. Do not celebrate him. Yeah, so <laughs> but wait. celebrations are kind of weird as well. I don't really know what to do. Yeah. So you don't do anything for your birthday? No, like, now I just go out with friends and whatnot. Like, and then they want to celebrate, I will celebrate. Like, but one, so you're doing it for them? <laughs> sometimes, yeah. So one of the things I really love for a birthday, and a lot of people seem to get it wrong, and they seem to think that, yeah, what the hell? You know, you need to do something bigger. But one of the things mm. I and I'm telling people this in my birthday wish list, right? That if you just buy me a book that you like, and then you just say, hey, you know, we'll leave you alone today just to enjoy this book. Wow, super! And then okay. I, I would love that. I would just enjoy that. Yeah, if people just want to give me a birthday gift, just get me a book that you like, even if it's a book I own already. It will mean the world to me. Wow, okay, so this is yet again another PSA. <laughs> For anyone out there who don't already know size gifts pre- uh, preference, it will be a book that you love, that you like, and share it with him. Yeah. So with that, thank you so much, Sai. Thank, thank you so, you so much, much for uh, visiting my humble podcast. I know you don't like to be celebrated, but thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. 